Come. Ensign Rowe has some things she'd like to talk to you about. Ensign Rowe has been confined to her quarters. Well, she can go back to her quarters when she's done. Guinan, I don't know why you're involved in this, but... She's my friend. Please sit down. Guinan is very selective about whom she calls a friend. Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Johnson, and with me is Mike. Hi, Mike. Happy Pride. How are you? Happy Pride, Johnson. Good. I'm good. How are you today? I am so tired, but I'm here. I'm present. I'm. I'm. I'm all. You have my full attention. All right. My well, laptop. My work laptop is open, but. <laughs> I, you have a full attention. All right. Well, happy Pride to you. It is June, and it is here we June, are. It's June second, yeah. seven twenty p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> For all of those, who <laughs> For all of you that want to know, like what time it is. Um, how are you uh, doing today, Mike? How was your day? It uh, sizably better than Tuesday. I felt like Tuesday was a tornado. I on... mean, you came back from being away four days. What do you want? I know. I just was not, uh, you know, I saw I saw this really cute meme online that said something to the effect of, you know, you gave us Monday off, but really when we needed Tuesday off as well, we should. Ah, that's true. I could have taken um, Tuesday off or I could have used Tuesday off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tuesday was a little rough, but uh, Wednesday is a little bit smoother and uh, some things got done today that I'm good, like off my plate done type thing. So super happy about that and uh yeah and it's uh pride month and uh it is yeah i'm excited we we talked this morning about something we're gonna do for the month of pride and uh so yeah i mean we're not going to new york city pride parade the new york city pride parade because that's not happening at least right no 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 no. i didn't mean i didn't mean you know a going to fire island is that what you're talking about (laughs) no no we're not i I mean no i don't have plans it's not my jam it's not my scene have you been to fire island no but i've seen photos and videos i'm like i did not want to be there oh okay Um, it's too many people well you know in places it might be but yes it's i mean it's but you also don't like the beach right i don't like the i don't like beaches i don't like um you know, being by the water, lake houses, things like that. So I don't think Fire Island really does it for me. And the wild yeah, parties wouldn't. I is mean, also not my jam. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I've only been to Fire Island once or twice. Okay. Once, maybe. Okay. Maybe twice. And? Uh, 
and uh you know we were with a group and we we cooked dinner at night we we hung out together we did, did you go, go to an underwear party i didn't know we did not know that's no. not, not your thing that is not my thing no just checking uh, this was several years ago uh but it was a before good dennis Bef yeah it was before dennis yeah okay. and you know it was my first time out there and you know it was uh it was good we you know we cooked dinner as a group uh we you know bringing food over was you know some of us brought some food over we picked up a few things at the market but it's you know it's it's all about community and uh you know it's it doesn't have to be about these parties and it wasn't a busy weekend either in fact no. the, the week that i went it was after the big week and okay. weekend so we got there and pretty much everyone had gone so got it so it you know it really depends but you know hanging out you know just you know certain houses we had a pool which was okay. nice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we had that to to kind of enjoy and yeah it's just a different vibe out there i don't like pools either <laughs> but more power to you, you. Can work on the list of the things that you do like because oh my god a it's, lot a few, about... it's a few and far between i don't know what to tell you you know, it's a, it's a very need, limited we list. Need, we need to come up with the list of things that you do like. It's a very tiny list. Yeah. So, so no, going back to my thing about pride. No, we weren't, you and I this morning were talking about pride and what we'll do on the podcast for the okay. month of pride. Okay. okay. Uh, remind me what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and also slash list, uh, let our listeners know what we're doing. I understand, Mr. Spock glory of creation is in its infinite diversity and the ways our differences combine to create meaning and beauty sure so you know i i came up with this idea that we would we would tackle a question that relates to our lgbtq-ness uh and star trek so you know it's sort of just a little bit about our story and how star trek fits into it uh you know it can be it can be characters, it can be episodes, it can be uh, feelings or thoughts or things like that. And, and this week is a very generic question. It but, is a generic question. But I think that the answer- but it's a good like gateway question. Yeah, it's a great about. gateway question. So yes. it's sort of like the philosoph, I did, we did not come up for a name for this. It's just kind of our pride month discussion. So each week we'll have a question and we'll pose it to our audience. Um, and once we figure out how to get, Wait, do we want our listeners to respond to us or something? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it would be great for, for our LGBTQ listeners to share the answer to this question. To these so questions. if you're not LGBTQ, please don't engage with us on social. No, no. I mean, we, we do enjoy <laughs> engagement with that, but I think the questions are going to be geared towards the L lgbtq community so sure um and when i mean the lgbtq you know i i'm not leaving out the you know the, the longer acronym yeah the longer acronym is is also included in that and there's you know there's you know so many so many letters now in our in our acronym acronym uh, acronym god that's horrible uh but uh you know i we want to include it for everyone because i think that us as lgbtq viewers of star trek have a certain perspective on uh 
on what Star Trek means to us. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to have a question each week and we hope that uh, some of our listeners will get back to us. And when you do, uh, we're hoping that either you'll record an audio clip that we can play into this oh or God, asking for a lot but or we'll share it we'll share some responses however it works i was out. like can we like provide less of a barrier to entry for people to actually engage with us than to record an audio clip and share it please no well no it's not it's not that hard in, we'll in, take in, anything we'll take anything there we go all right we will take anything absolutely yes. but we would like you to you know like you to be part of this discussion and so for this week, this first, the second day of Pride Month, this first mm -hmm. episode in Pride Month, uh, I thought the question, a nice, easy entry question. Although I still have to think about it, though. I still have to, like, you did. Well, it. it does. So this, these questions do require some thinking. So here's our first question for Pride Month. How did Star Trek make you feel about being LGBTQ? once you knew that you were lgbtq so for us it's once you once we knew that we were gay which happened mm -hmm. at different times in our life you know i think younger younger people and they grew up more recently in the last 20 to 25 years would have a different answer for this right. than for us who came out at different times in our life so yeah. uh so yeah so i'm just excited to kind of engage around these ideas of w what star trek has done well for for us as lgbtq viewers so do you want to start off or do you want sure to i can start off since you asked the question and you also thought of the prompt um i can begin and i gave well, you plenty I, of time to to come up with this answer i didn't i know it you gave it okay you gave me this question this morning and then i had eight hours of meetings and eight hours later, I was like, okay, let me think about this question. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to not uh, be redundant because we've talked about our experiences with being gay and Star Trek in the past. Like, you know, National Coming Out Day was what, in October or something like that. So we had that. And I think our first episode, we also talked about a little bit. Um, so I was trying to think of, um, I was trying to, come up with a slightly different angle that is still true to uh, my experience with Star Trek. Um, but as a refresher, I did come out a little bit later in life, not later, later, but I came out in college. So it took me a while to really um, realize or, you know, come out to myself and then start coming out to others. And it, honestly, it wasn't even until um, my early thirties that I came out to a broader, like in a broader sense, um, after coming out to my parents, um, you know, I that kind of opened up um, the gates for coming, coming, kind of coming out to uh, a larger population, I suppose. So I would say that, like, for me, when it comes to Star Trek um, and how it resonated with my coming out process is. I think the interesting thing about Star Trek is that th the matter and issue of identity is kind of like not a really big issue. Where, and what I mean by that is, you know, I think even though I'm not a fan of the original series, 
sorry. Like, I just can't. I, I really can't. Um, I think, you know, Gene Roddenberry, and we've seen this in not only documentaries, interviews and whatever, he made it, he made a very purposeful attempt to have representation on the bridge of the enterprise. But for the most part, people weren't like, you know, horror wasn't like, I'm the black person on the bridge. Um, Chekhov wasn't like, I'm the Russian person on the bridge. They were just who they were. Um, and their identity, whether it be their gender identity, I have things to say about um, gender representation <laughs> on the original series. Um, and, you know, parts of it are dated and I've, I've, we've talked about this. But for the most part, the matter of who they were, whether it be their sexual identity, their race, their gender, their culture, um, it kind of just was, but it, it did ultimately didn't really matter. Like it, it kind of just, it was a part of it. It was a part of who they were, but it was kind of like no big deal. You know, they were all kind of on the bridge. They were exploring, they were facing issues together. They were doing their thing and it didn't really matter, you know? Um, Obviously, this is like a, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword because you can, you know, um, you can say like there are certain, like, for example, like we can talk about like how Star Trek was kind of behind when it came to the matter of um, LGBTQ representation. But I kind of like the idea that like, you know, like it wasn't a big deal. Like um, there is an idea of that where no matter who you are, you're all, you're all equal. You have the same opportunities. And DS9 addresses this in a different way where Cisco, Cisco never talked about the fact that he's black, you know, but he would have these visions that would somehow relate to his current experiences that would address the, es the issue or he would travel back in time. Um, where, what was that, that um, two-parter, remember? Benny Russell, he was Benny Russell. It was like well, the race I mean, riots yeah. or whatever. It wasn't race riots, it was like, um, Benny Russell, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't about race. It was about just like, you know, stars. Oh man, why can't I think of it? We've talked about it. We did a whole episode on this. I don't remember the name of the episode, um, unfortunately. But, you know, like it wasn't, it's always like a perspective on the past versus the now. Like, you know, he, he just didn't, his race did not matter. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I really appreciate about Star Trek. It's like, no matter who you are, no matter what you represent, no matter your identity, um, you have equal footing with everyone else. I mean, sometimes we got through analogy how other races, you know, sometimes we're a little heavy handed, like, you know, how it was from the viewpoint of other races, um, how, what? You guys are so behind. What? <laughs> Whatever. Um, but within the Federation and Starfleet, we kind of didn't see that inequality. And we didn't see people having to kind of, you know, gender, gender inequality, that wasn't a thing, you know, like it, it, it just wasn't. Um, so yeah, I think for me, that's where Star Trek um, was really something that I admired, admire, ad, admired, um, when it came to, um, you know, me kind of coming to terms with my gender identity, my sexual identity rather, um, and 
trying to kind of reconcile that with my place in things, which, um, yeah, I, I think that this is one of the reasons why, and this is another one of my critiques of discovery and people may very much disagree with me. Um, I didn't like how Adira, like, you know, first of all, there's also fanfare around Star Trek finally getting like LGBT, LGBTQIA char characters um, on the show, but then Adira had to like come out in a way to Stamets. And I was kind of like, I get it. You know, I get what Star Trek's trying to do here, but in some ways it's almost backwards to me how they had to come out in a very like just outdated process in my mind in some ways. Whereas I think that if they didn't have to awkwardly come out, it would have been so much more powerful. So I don't know, that's my perspective on Star Trek. And I feel like they're, unfortunately, in my opinion, the series has tried to catch up in some ways had to overcompensate for how behind they were. Whereas before, I think that it was almost like, it's fine, you know, you can be whoever you want, you can be whoever, you can identify as however, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that there is something powerful in that too. Anyway, that's my, that's my take. What about you, Mike? Well, it's interesting because we did not talk about this. We did no, not yep. talk about this answer. No. We, I posed a question and you thought on it. And we thought about it, yes. Own answer. And uh, it's interesting because you aren't, I did not expect you to go back to the original series and reference that because you're that's not your Star Trek, right? No, yeah. no. But it's still the foundation of, you know, absolutely. I know enough about it where it's the foundation of the series. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, I, I'm actually surprised. And, and it's kind of funny because for me, so to give you the, the short coming out piece for me, I didn't come out until I was 30 or 31. I don't remember the exact time frame. I was yes, also, you were also late. Yeah, I was also late. And um, and so that there's that point in my life. But the point at which I started watching Star Trek was probably in, you know, I don't know, anywhere between, you know, eight and 12, somewhere in that range. You know, I don't remember exactly what year I started watching it, but it was something that I would watch with my uncle. And it was the original series initially. Mm -hmm. Now, we're both big fans of Next Generation, and that's sort of where, you know, for me, I was 14, I believe it was 14 when Next Generation started, the same age as Wesley. Um, he actually, Will Wheaton is actually just a few months older than I am. Um, so there's that piece of when I finally got to see, like, myself as a young man in Star Trek uh, for that. But for me, a lot of my formation happened watching TOS, watching the original series and seeing that diversity. And, and it's funny, almost word for word of what you said, seeing that diversity on screen and how they treated and respected each other on screen. Uh -huh. Again, we know that things were not as clean as they were on screen in the, behind the scenes. However, yes. for what for a kid, my, you know, the age that I started watching this, let's just say eight or nine, uh this was the foundation for me right i you know i i got to see people of different races countries backgrounds 
you know, yes, uh, Uhura was the only woman on there, but I was, you know, I was surrounded by a family of women as well. You know, my mom, mm. my grandma, my grandmother was, my Nana was the um, kind of matriarch of the family for a long, long time. And so, you know, I had that female perspective as well in my life. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just that I saw a mostly male cast on Star Trek, but I saw people from different countries and parts of the world on here and just like you like different identities from culturally to gender to you know uh, not sexually your sexuality but you know just uh just a variety all being treated and respected in the same way and that was my foundation for life was seeing that the world was supposed to the future world would be like that and so that was sort of always in my mind growing up that, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like, where you're from, who you are, right. you're, you're human and you're accepted and you're respected and treated mm -hmm. as such. And, and for me, what actually stands out more is, is not Ohura per se, uh, the, I think I've shared a little bit about there were, there was a, an African-American family down the street from my grandmother's yeah. uh -huh, that uh -huh. played a huge role in my life early on. And, um, but for me, the, the, in the time that I grew up, there was always a lot of tension between Russia and the U S not unlike now. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing Chekhov on the bridge was, a stands out to me more in that respect, because back then it was always Russia versus the U S or back then the USSR, right. right versus, right. um, the U S a, so, um, so, but that idea that everyone is respected equally, treated with respect, no matter what their identity is, was a foundation for me. And so that, that really created a lot of my ethics as a, as a young person and, and ethics that I still carry today, you know, despite coming out later in life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, those same sort of ethics apply to me when I was coming out now. When I came out and, you know, it, being gay and experiencing gay life was certainly the focus. But I, you know, as I progressed through that stage in my development, in my life, uh, it became, you know, not a smaller piece, but a less of a focus piece, right? Like my who I am is made up of many different qualities. I'm Christian, I'm gay, I'm you know, a partner, I'm an uncle, I'm a brother, I'm a son, like there's so many, you know, I'm, you know, I'm uh, a coach, I'm a techie, I'm all these things, an Apple user, all these different identities that sure. Apple uh, user. Well, I mean, an Apple fan, I mean, everything I have is Apple. So, um, but, you know, being gay is just a small part of who I am as a person. And who I love is, you know, just a small part of, right. of my identity. But all of that mm -hmm. to say is that, you know, Star Trek really formed that, helped form that opinion in me mm -hmm. growing up. And I've just carried that through my life. So my, you know, my level of respect for other people, you know, diversity and all those things, mm -hmm. diversity, you know, I think that's probably part of the reason why I've gravitated to and have now lived in New York for over 10 years is because of the diversity of people and experiences that 
I can have here versus growing up in Maine and moving to Boston and, and in New England in general, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's less diversity. Uh, so I've found that my life experiences here in New York have really expanded much beyond where I grew up and, and how I formed and, you know, my experiences coming out and all of that. So, um, and Star Trek, you know, played the foundation for that. You know, I, I think, you know, it's not until discovery, obviously, that we see our first, you know, gay main character, a mm -hmm. gay couple, in fact. Um, and that was, you know, that was affirming to see. And then in this recent season, seeing the addition of a transgender and a, a non-binary character slash actors to portray them mm -hmm. um, was inspiring. And, you know, I it's funny, I don't see the Adira coming out as they, them uh, to uh, Stamets in quite the same way you do, mainly because I think that, one, it's a great example of finding your voice and speaking that language, um, which is great. I just think that what you're doing. if it's like, what is they're in the 31st century now, right? Adira is a 31st century citizen. So by then I would hope that it's not so it was literally like, hey, it's like it was literally like a 21st century coming out conversation, you know, and I know that Star Trek straddles the line and not always very well, in my opinion, between futuristic and contemporary, because it still is a product of today's culture. But I would think that, you know, this, I have an opinion about this and not everyone will agree with me. I just think that if we're talking about literally a thousand years in the future, it should be very, very simple. Um, or it shouldn't, or like more people should be they, them, you know, it shouldn't be so unusual. Um, I don't know what that would look like, but it just felt like, wow, she's having like a conversation in 2020, <laughs> you know, that just felt like what it was. So, which is, to me, it was kind of like, meh, you know. Okay. I mean, yeah, you know, my reaction we, to we, it. Yeah. I mean, we, we have different perspectives on this. No, so. never. I think, you know, I think All that's a great example of, uh, of, of that coming out process. And yes, yes, we, the, the show is in the 31st century, but yeah. you're right. It's produced here in 2020 and it's a reflection of what's going on in the world today. Um, expounded upon into the future right you know? um but I, you know i think it's it's been great to see that uh you know certainly you know the one scene that still sticks with me and the the minute when we talk about discovery or being gay and mm -hmm. seeing seeing images of star trek that represent you is the mirror scene in um episode three or four or, or yeah five that was great discovery. it was just like everyday life we're just doing this that was like i think that's good no big deal it's just like everyday life you know it's fine yeah. and i think that that's kind of what i'm talking about it should have been kind of just very like oh there it is natural versus we need to have a conversation yeah no i, I yeah i mean i understand what you're saying i think that in that sort of situation you have to remember that she's she's younger i mean she's just younger and inexperienced as but a, i'm talking about 31st century here the culture should be completely different right i mean 
it's, it's literally a thousand. Wait, we, we hope that it's different. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about how things are now versus the year 1000 AD. You know what I mean? It should be that stark of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear what so. you're saying. Uh, but it's not, you know, going back to that scene where they're brushing their teeth, Hugh and, and Paul, mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's a really touching scene for me personally, being in an interracial couple situation as well, you know, it, I could see myself in that example, you know, that, and that's actually when, you know, I think I felt most seen, quote unquote, by Star Trek. But mm -hmm. when it comes to my values, my values started way back when I first watched, sure. started watching yeah. Star Trek. And I, I think that for many viewers, I would hope that, you know, I, I think about all of the young women who have grown up under Catherine Janeway's tenure as captain, right? That brought a lot of um, a lot of focus to women leaders and mm -hmm. to you know to that that same piece, and I think that that's that's an important thing too. Like, so I think you can find value and values in Star Trek that mm -hmm. align with the LGBTQ experience. Yes, and also an ideal world in which these things are not an issue. And that we that everyone is allowed to have the gender identity that they feel is appropriate for them, that they have the partners that they love that's appropriate to them, that is, you know, that there is no prejudice against them for the type of love that they are expressing. I think those are the things that that Star Trek kind of espouses and and that's sort of the 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 feeling that I get as we kind of look forward. Um, but I think the people who are watching Star Trek are not you and me pre predominantly. I think that I, why these conversations and why, like why that coming out of Adira to say that they, them is, is for the people who are not us giving them an example of how important it is for us mm -hmm. to be seen and to be heard. And that's sure. That's that's where I see Star Trek taking that conversation and having that example to do that. Yes. However, I do think, and we've had this discussion as well. I do think where Star Trek um, ex excels more in these areas is through analogy, and there have been episodes which have been a little heavy-handed. You know, we've talked about these episodes that reflects, you know, that nevertheless make this effort to espouse these situations that reflect society today in, hum in humanity um, versus how things are in, the, in, in Starfleet, in the Federation. Um, so I know we talked about, we touched on the outcast last week, so that's just top of mind for me. It does, it's not perfect, but I think the outcast is an example of where through through this situation, through a different lens, we're trying to give, we're we're trying to, we're given this treatment essentially of you know the gay coming out experience, right? Are you wasn't, talking about the drumhead or the outcast? No, the outcast, because we touched on it very briefly last week. Oh, if you remember okay. Okay, as yeah. we were deliberating another episode to watch like yeah. a season six uh season six episode or season five episode rather to watch right. i don't remember what season it is um but uh that's that that i think is where star trek excels is through like it's like through almost like a fable you know 
um, a story that it creates this modern day analogy um, versus like a straight up coming out conversation. <laughs> um, but at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So great first discussion. I think that's uh, that covers a lot of ground. And uh, we'd love to hear from you, our dear listeners. Uh, and the question again is, how did or how does Star Trek make you feel about being LGBTQ plus? So if you'd like to share your thoughts with us, uh, send us a message on either Instagram or Twitter, preferably Instagram, but we're, we're uh, active on both. We respond to people. Yeah, not as much on. I, I mean, we're not as great on Twitter, but uh, but our handle anyway is at Deep Space Pride. Mm-hmm. You can also email us if you're so inclined to Deep Space Pride at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll share some of the responses next next time uh, on this question. And we'll have a new question next week to talk about Pride Month and how. Star Trek and the LGBTQ experience intersect. Hooray. Hopefully we get some people engaging with us. Otherwise it'll be kind of sad, but whatever. It's fine. Our three we'll listeners. We have four. We have four. Oh, four have, listeners. Oh, wait. Yay. Can't wait. I can't wait till Vegas. <laughs> I like, hey guys. What's going on? Anyway. Well. I, well, we, may, we, we may have more listeners out there that we just don't know about so well mike thank you i appreciate you coming up with this question for us to discuss and if, are you gonna come with all of them because i'm really bad at coming up with questions yeah i mean I, yeah i, I mean Excellent. i already great i already tossed out a, an example potential example for the next one but i'm gonna fine-tune i it had critical it. feedback what? But I think I had that was the one where I had like critical feedback or something. I don't remember. Well, you, you know, I said it wasn't perfect out of the get go, and I said, and I was like, "This is dumb," but I didn't say that. Didn't you say didn't that. say that, no, but clearly now you did. Um, no, I'm much nicer than that. Um, okay, so why don't we move there on we to our next segment? Unless Mikey had any other thoughts that you want to share with our audience. No, no, I think this no. is a good segue. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yes, it's a great slash potentially awkward segue into the main topic of our conversation today, which is the continuation of our series where we are talking about the underappreciated episodes of The Next Generation. We never really define what underappreciated means, and we got kind of, we didn't get called out for it, but we, we certainly had one or two folks on social at least mentioned that they didn't think that the drumhead was an underappreciated episode. And then I had to be like, okay, you know what though? We say literally in this recording or the previous recording that we never put parameters around what underappreciated means. Does it mean, I don't think it means like people didn't like this episode. I don't, you know, I, at least I didn't take it like that. The way that I took it was, this is not an episode that people really talk about as like one of their favorites. And it's not like best of both worlds, like, you know, or the inner light, or I don't know what it's- Yesterday's Enterprise. Yesterday, good job, Yesterday's Enterprise. We, instead we're talking about Tin Man, you know, like, so not that this is a bad episode, it's just not fondly recalled. At least that's how I defined it. 
Yeah, um, I would yeah. say I would agree. I would say that these are episodes that you know you may come across in, in like scanning for an episode to watch. It's like top fifty, you know, top fifty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're probably in our. Right, not, we're probably not in a top ten, not top ten, you know. Right, yeah, it's you know top twenty five, top top fifty episodes, yeah. So um, this week was my choice, right? Yes, yeah. You were to like which one? You, this was when you were saying like, oh, should we watch? Should we talk about the um, the outcast? I was like, no, the outcast is is oftentimes in the discourse, so I don't think the outcast is unappreciated. So I shot that one down, and then you picked this one. Yeah, I did pick this one. So this week we're going to talk, be talking about Ensign Rowe. Am I disturbing you? Yes. Good. You look like someone who wants to be disturbed. I'd rather be alone. Oh, no, you wouldn't. I beg your pardon? Well, if you wanted to be alone, you would have stayed in your quarters. The only reason to come here is to be amongst people. Who, who are you? My name is Guinan. I tend bar and I listen. Huh. You heard anything interesting? Everyone's talking about you. Heard anything interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all true. I believe truth is in the eye of the beholder. Isn't that supposed to be beauty? Truth, beauty, works for a lot of things. Which I do think is by probably many definitions, like an underappreciated episode. It's, it's definitely not, is it even top 50? I don't even know, you know? I don't know, I, I mean. Know. It's uh, certainly not like, oh, one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, I, would, I wouldn't say that either, you know? So I do think- No, that- but I would, say, I would say that I've watched this episode now twice in the I last- I watched it twice, week. I watched it twice, yeah. yes. And, yes. And I've enjoyed it both times. Yeah, yeah. Really, I, I like, yeah. I like a. It's a good character story. Yes. So let me tell you the description. Yes, I was like, know. can you please let our listeners know what this episode is about? So this is episode three of season five, and the description is: a new officer, Ensign Rowe, hence the title of the episode. Yes. Is enlisted to track down a band of Bajoran terrorists. Yet Rowe, a Bajoran herself must first win her crewmates trust so um so i have to say when i because i watched this episode um i don't remember the first time i watched this episode but i re-watched this episode like a few months ago or a couple months ago um and then i re-watched it the other day and then i like totally forgot like the um the opening scene with mott and I was like, oh, I forgot Mott was in this episode at the very beginning where he's giving Kevin Picard like a haircut. Um, and I was like, you know what? I can I can watch a whole spinoff with Mott. <laughs> he's just like, he just like knows how to hold a conversation. I hope he appears in Lower Decks or something. I can have a whole series just about Mott. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I actually found that to be the least interesting part about this episode. Okay, I was like, I can, I can do this all day. Uh, and you know, I actually didn't. I, you know, I understand why you would enjoy him because he's very opinionated. He has, uh, he has notes. He has lots of notes and uh, doesn't exactly let you uh, get a word in edgewise. Are you seeing any parallels here? um what are you saying something about me 
so yeah, it, you know, that piece of the, the episode, you know, and it, and it, it has no effect on the rest of the episode. It's, it's clearly just no. a throw in, yeah. you know, and, and Picard makes a comment as they're talking on the bridge and then, the, you know, like, the side eye, this, you know, the head roll or whatever it was, the reaction was like, you know, Mott's, you know, you have to, if you want the best barber in Starfleet, you have to put mm. up with some like gossip and, and BS. So it is uh-huh. one of the rare times that we see the Enterprise D salon. I'm like, take me there. I'm ready. I think it's the only time we see the Enterprise. No, D we see it again in Sub Rosa. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, oh, come on. God. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I, you know, I think we've, I think we've inadvertently chosen Subba Rosa as our season seven pick for the underappreciated episodes. Uh, but, uh, and speaking, so that brings up a really good point that yes. I haven't talked, talked about. And this is a little bit of a like tangent, but you know, this is deep space pride and we, we love tangents. Okay. Uh, so you know we've. What do you think, Mott's gay? No, 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 no. Oh, you, you and I have had a little bit of discourse about Gates McFadden's new podcast, mm-hmm. and so um, this is uh, funny enough. Uh, so I wanted to bring this up because Subrosa made me think of Gates. Gates made me think of her most recent episode. Her most recent episode was with, with Will, Will Wheaton. Yes. And it Will was actually Wheaton. really good. And it's only part one. And I'm super excited because I think today, probably episode two. Yeah. The second yeah, half of it dropped. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to listen to that. You know, I do agree. The first two were a little too nostalgic, too. Like, I, honestly, like. I oh, felt of like, Investigates? Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, of, of her podcast, Investigates. I was it very first... nostalgic? They talk about jazz a lot. I'm like, what's happening? Well, they talk about nostalgic things, right? They talk about the past they, a they lot. They don't talk a lot about Star Trek. They talk about, they about their childhoods. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Jazz. That's nostalgia. I was, like, oh I was like, I hate jazz. I don't know. That is the definition of nostalgia. Oh, my God. Jazz Reminiscing is like so about boring. the past. I'm just saying jazz is boring. Continue. Jazz is not the past. Jazz is not just the past. Jazz is like still very present. Depends on who you are and where you are. But anyway, go ahead. There we go. Anyway, so I just want to give a shout out because I thought the Will Wheaton episode part one was excellent in her podcast. And and they actually did it in person, separated and all of that. But it I was know, really- separated by like an acrylic fence or whatever. Yeah, and uh, yeah. PPE and whatnot. But I... I thought it was really nice to hear uh, her and Will talk, and there's clearly a great relationship there. It was cute when they called each other like, hey, space mom, hey, space son. Space that was cute. Son, yeah, yeah. So anyway, end of tangent, anyway. moving back to Enzen Row now. So, you know, I have watched this twice within the last two weeks, and mm-hmm. I have enjoyed this immensely. And I think this is the introduction it's not, I don't know if it's the introduction to the Cardassians, but it is definitely the introduction to the Bajorans, which yes. leads us to, you know, Deep Space Nine, which is our favorite series. Yeah, I, was like, I think they're still trying to figure it out because they kept on being referred to as the Bajora. I was like, Bajora, yeah. I was like, who are those people? Who are the Bajora? Yeah. Please share more. Right, yeah. So the, this is, you know, this is definitely the first episode of the Bajorans being part of the Star Trek universe. 
And, uh, you know, I, let me tell you, like, I have some favorite parts of this episode. Um, you know, you know, Kennelly is a bad admiral right off the get go. <laughs> uh, and oh, I'm, yes, I'm using a, a discovery moniker for a next generation generation episode, but you know, yeah, the animals are always more hit or miss. It's like, you have no idea where you're going to get. Right. And well, clearly this guy and who's your favorite admiral. Do you have one? Ooh, I am all about Admiral um, Nachiev. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Strong woman. I can use so many strong women. She's such a bitch, though. What? Are you calling her that just because she's a strong woman? No, I'm not. I mean, I think she's I think there's a difference between being a strong woman and doing it. How is she bitchy? I. How is she not? She is always bitchy. She just has thoughts and opinions, and she's not afraid to exercise her position. Yeah, I think that that's the part of it that bothers me is the exercise of power without some some judiciousness. And anyway, you think she's not ju- okay? We can have a whole separate podcast. About we can have a whole separate podcast. All right. Yeah, she's not my favorite, but you know, and I, I mean, you have I'm one. Not- Do you have a favorite admiral? Is it is it Admiral Janeway? No, it's not. It's not Admiral Janeway. I don't know. I was. Just, Why are you answering? Guy. You ask me a question and then you answer it for go me. Go ahead. Go ahead. What What were you? Gonna you say? are in prime form today for interrupting and over talking on me. Just go, 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 go. Uh, I I think that, and I can't think of his name. I think the Admiral in uh, Deep Space Nine during the war. I can't think of his name. I can see oh, him. Oh yeah, what's his name? He's dead. The actor's dead. And he died, like he did die in the show. The the star base that he was on or the starship that he was on was destroyed, I believe. Um, was it? I'm pretty sure. Uh, but anyway, he's one of my favorites. The other one that you'd never see but is always referred to and is in some of the books is Admiral Nagura from uh, the motion picture era. Oh, man. Star Trek. Um yeah. The original series so yeah, um not ugh. but uh not only f- only for the name and kind of the relationship that he clearly has with kirk um so uh yeah I, you know i the is fine she's just she is just a bitch you know she's mm. blocky, she like you know i just anyway but you know it, it's not a not a slant against powerful women at all it's just you know i and think there are some great haircut Okay. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. She has almost a haircut like you, right? What? She has short hair. She has short hair. She has more hair than me. Um, in any case. Any case. On so this? That, oh, so yeah, the bad moral. Goodness. The bad moral. Yeah, you you took us on this tangent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kennelly just comes off as bad right from the get-go. And when you when you see that scene where he calls her and calls Ensign Rowe after one of my favorite scenes, which is Guinan and Ensign Rowe the yes love that conversation love it you know um, I, I did think that um Guinan slash Whoopi was a little stiff in this episode I don't you know something just about her oh I loved it it was sassy like my name is I I my it name was, is Guinan it was I off, like Gar and I listen when she went into her room later on because Ensign Rowe was like grounded slash confined to quarters and then Ensign and then Guinan comes by and she's like 
hi, it's me, Guinan. I'm like, what? That's so weird. But she goes in and she's like, hi, it's me, Guinan. I'm like, this is the third time you've introduced yourself. Is that necessary? But other than that, um, which I thought was- a I, I love the interaction. I love that interaction, but I love the one in 10 forward even more. Who are you? I told you, I'm Guinan. I tend bar and I listen. Oh, you're not like any bartender I ever met before. And you're not like any Starfleet officer I've ever met before. But that sounds like the beginning of a very interesting friendship. I don't stay anywhere long enough to make friends. Too late. You just did. No, that one's good. That one's good. Um, it's just, it's one of my favorite banters with Guinan that you can possibly have. And... And kudos to Ganon for, like, if you want to be alone, you don't go to a bar to be Yeah, alone. no, it's great. Great logic. Was, you know, so really love that. Uh, but, you 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 know, what, you get this bad feeling about Kennelly from the start. And then you see him contacting Ro surreptitiously. And then you know that he's, you know, he's bad. You mean when she was like, everything's going according to plan? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Uh, that was that was a hint. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, the other the other scene that I really love, you know, I, I actually really love the dynamic between Picard and Ro. Like yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. it it's sort of it starts off rough and you know. I love how she comes into the ready room and plops down and like has her arms crossed and like is just very like almost like a teenager. Like, I know. Sent to the principal's office. Yeah, I thought and, that she uh, came on a little bit strong. I mean, like I get that she doesn't want to be there, but you don't have to like, you know, make enemies right off the gate. Like it's not. Well, I mean, to be fair, you know, Riker is not the most welcoming. Uh, Picard has a strong reaction as well, which he discusses with Kennelly. Uh, But Picard and yeah, and Picard does not rein in Riker's like kind of like super direct, you know, no empathy approach to her at all in the ready room in front of him. Like he is like does not want any part of this BS of hers. Uh, but, you know, it goes from that scene, right, to when they get to the planet and they l- land and Picard lets her lead and introduce mm-hmm. them and offer, like, she she generates, she, there's this, then in that moment, you see the two of them generate a new kind of relationship. Like, Picard sees her in action. She sees, he sees her amongst her people right. how she interacts with them mm-hmm. she i love her little jibe at you know what do you think ro and and rose like you know i think you're a little enjoying this power a little bit too much mm-hmm. eve i think you need to uh listen, uh, listen and and shut up um well i'm not here to debate federation policy with you but i can offer you assistance simply because of one terrorist attack Perhaps I should have known that. We should have attacked the Federation long ago. What do you think of that, Rogue? I think you're a small man who feels a rush of power in his belly and enjoys it far too much, Keith. Stop talking and listen. 
So I like that approach. And that's sort of where Picard and Rose start this relationship, right? This mm -hmm. almost mentorship where he sees what Guinan saw already and what Guinan has to bring back to Picard's attention after she goes AWOL and does her side mission, um, you know, and, and, and has to, and I love that Guinan brings her to the ready room, like right. has no regard for, for proper protocols or anything, which I love. Yeah, I don't know how she like got her out of, Ganon just um, has free reign wherever she goes. I love it. I am. Let me just tell you, as a side note, I am super excited to see Ganon in Picard. Cannot wait. I hope that she's I'm in multiple episodes. My, I'm, I'm like holding my judgment. I know. Yes, I you, you always are clutching your pearls as to what will happen next. But I am super I excited to see Whoopi Goldberg back as Ganon and also interacting with this new Picard. I just can't wait. Um, and this is how much I love Whoopi Goldberg. This is how much I love the character of Guinan. I, I love know. this. I just, yeah, it's just like, obviously Whoopi Goldberg has aged while Guinan's supposed to be. Yeah, know, but she's you know, they, they all have. I mean, everyone has. It's been 20 years. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. But, you know, when we saw her in Time's Arrow versus like now, even sure, though it's yeah. like 300 years. No, even longer. Yes, even longer. Sorry, 400 years or so. She was yeah. like, same, you know? Yeah. So it is what it is, obviously. It, yeah, there's not much you can do about that unless you recast the parts and... Uh, or use a lot of CG, which is... Yeah, which, which, you know, and in, in thinking about that, you know, I, I think that it, it that sort of CG has had limited success. Like I Limited success, yeah. Data yeah, looked a little bit, like, stiff, like, in Pokemon Season 1. It's just, it's just hard. It's hard. No, to and I was even off. thinking like how they've used CGI to soften, uh, like to create Princess Leah and oh my god, uh, in Less Rogue One, yeah, and uh, Tarkin in um, in um, I mean Rogue those were One? just like basic. Those are like completely CG characters. We're not even talking about like oh let's let's make them younger looking. Right, it's taking known footage of them and putting it right. into. You know, so, I, you know, yes, exactly. So anyway, I, I'm super excited to see Gunn. And I think that this is a this is a I hope they don't ruin her character. I, I, I don't think they will. Uh, I don't they didn't ruin Picard. I don't think they're going to ruin Gunn. Picard was fine. I have thoughts, but it's OK. You have thoughts about everything. Do I? Yes, you do. OK, continue. Everything. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of great scenes in this and that it just the the action and the, the story just propels itself really well. Like mm -hmm. this is a like once you get past the Mott thing and like you which get, I it, liked. Wait, yeah, whatever. Um, totally could do without that. Mm. Totally. Um, once you get going, once they approach Starbase one as Starbase, whatever Lyra or whatever. Um, I don't remember. Wait, what was it? The the um Earth, Starbase One, the one in Earth from the Enterprise. They, they were at Starbase One. No, 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 no. The the image of the the space station. That oh, they, was it? It was space dock. Yes, that was space dock. 
Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't really yes. paying attention. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize the same, stock. It is the same. All they did was scrub out the original Enterprise or the refitted Enterprise. Oh, that's so interesting. And it wasn't even. And it wasn't even. It was the same shot as the last time they went to Starbase, which may have been uh, during McKinley State, not McKinley Station. Sorry, when they went. To, oh, during one zero zero one one zero zero one. All right, that episode. I I did not notice that. Yeah, that's all Starbase. I one. wasn't paying attention. Slash space dock. So, space uh, you know, it's a, you know, uh, again, it's uh, saving budget, budget, budget money right there, and uh, bringing up an old screen and then using hmm. it. So same shot. Uh, yeah. So okay. Other than that, you know, I, I once the action gets going and once Ro gets on there, I it the story just is really well written. It's it propels you through the entire episode. You aren't sure what's gonna happen. You see what happens. It's still like the the way that Picard interacts with Kennelly after it's kind of all figured out. Yeah, he's like bitch. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're owned now. You're owned. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was a great, sorry. like a lot of, no, a lot of great interactions here, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's really a Picard Row episode with mm-hmm, guest mm-hmm. starring Guinan and then this Badmiral and, uh, and, and some, and some Bajorans, which, you know, we get to see what Bajoran life is like prior to our, or during the occupation. Yeah. During the occupation yeah. prior to Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I also very much like this episode. And as you said at the very beginning, um, it is, a, I, th- I thought it was a great, like, character-centric episode, um, like a character-building episode. And we don't often get uh, another Slothry officer that's kind of like this, that um, rubs the crew the wrong way and creates all this friction. And comes she comes in guns blazing a little bit, which I think was like okay, <laughs> which I you know I get is she's very defensive, um, but I like it when she becomes more vulnerable, like especially when she kind of admits to Guinan in that scene in her room where she's like, yeah, I'm you know I'm in trouble, I don't know what to do, and Guinan's like, you can trust, you can trust Picard. Um, I really liked the development of her character and her story arc in this episode. Um, I thought that her evolution was very believable. I did think that by the end, like where Picard was like, there's like, you know, there's a spot for you on Enterprise. I thought that that was maybe a little fast, but um, especially given like how, um, you know, her background is not erased, right? Like she's still she was still court-martialed. She's still um, caused, like, you know, this disastrous away team mission. Um, it's not like that's forgotten or forgiven. Um, so I do think that, sure, like, you have you develop sympathy for her, and I can see how Picard develops sympathy for her, but to then kind of do this about face, I thought was a little fast, but I was, I, you know, I'm like, I was also kind of okay with it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, um, I really just enjoyed, I, I, I like Rolaren as a character in general. Like, I think that every episode she's in, um, she, she usually has a decent amount to do. She usually plays like a foil. Like, I think she's in 
the next episode or two episodes after disaster. Um, and I don't know if you remember that episode that well, but basically like Deanna Troy is left in command of the bridge and she needs to figure out what to do. Um, and Ro is like, just separate, just separate the saucer and leave everyone else to die. Like that's basically what she, because like the, the warp core is potentially critical and she's very pragmatic. She's like, uh, okay, there's no way for us to get anyone to engineering to fix this issue. So you should save as many people as you can and fucking separate the saucer, you know? Um, and of course, Deanna's like, no, let's like, we need to give them a chance, whatever. And then obviously the Enterprise is saved. But I do like this um, aspect of her where she is not, a, she's not afraid to kind of go against the green and to, um, to kind of speak her mind. And even if it's against a superior officer, like she doesn't care, she, she doesn't give a shit. And I mentioned this in a past episode, but I also recently watched Preemptive Strike, which was Ro Laren's last appearance on Next Generation. It was also the penultimate episode of TNG. But, you know, she, in that episode, I don't know if you remember, and spoilers for people that haven't seen this episode, she she joins the Maquis. Like she decides, because she's supposed to like infiltrate the Maquis and kind of suss them out and then basically deliver them to Starfleet. And she she basically has doubts along the way. Um, she's not sure. She sees that they have they, you know, they have a cause. And then she kind of realizes that she belongs there. And then she, yeah, she decides to just um, you know, quit. She, you know, and then she she turns her back on Picard. Like that was that was her like biggest regret yeah, um, right. in that episode. Like, because Picard like advocated for her um, yeah. to like join like the special ops tactical force, whatever it is. Um, and you see her kind of really struggling with her loyalty to Picard versus her newfound loyalty to the Maquis. And in the end, like she goes with what she thinks is right. So I think that it's like really. She's a really interesting character, and I think it's too bad that she um, didn't get the opportunity. To, you didn't get to see more of her in Deep Space Nine because there was the potential for her to kind of become um, Major Kira's character. But I also right. love Major Kira, so whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it's okay. no, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I mean, Major Kira is essentially formulated on on Ensign Row. You know, yeah, but so, oh my god, Kira is such an amazing character that I absolutely yeah no I'm I'm glad that the, it didn't work out, but originally you know Michelle Forbes's character Ensign Rowe was the, right, the right. template for and possibly even I think she was offered the job to go. She was yeah she was yeah, she was offered the, the position she turned it down yeah so, so she didn't want to do like a full series or whatever yeah uh, but um, but yeah no great character um, really good episode. Um, slightly underappreciated because it's not like one of the top tier ones, but yeah, it's a, it's, I think similar to Drumhead, it's a very interesting self-contained episode. You get to get a little bit more insight into the characters. We get introduced to a strong female character. Um, yeah. and yeah, 
don't know. Yeah, the, the only <laughs> other thing I wanted to add that you said, and and I think that I wish they had kind of explored this is a little bit about what Guinan said to her, which is true. She didn't defend herself at the court martial. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that that is part of Rose's story is that there's some some information that she, is left out or that's glossed over in that whole situation that she just took the blame for and decided to give up and and not fight it or mm-hmm. so there there's always this little bit of a question as to what happened on uh Garon too as far as um everything that occurred that you know to take the blame for eight people dying and what little detail we get about the the whole incident uh it seems like a lot and but she she sort of laid down and kind of let it happen let the court martial happen probably out of a, an abundance of guilt, but not necessarily an abundance of blame. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that piece of, of the story, which I think for me makes it easier to swallow that Picard offers her, you know, encourages her to stay on, you know, stay in Starfleet. So, um, so there's that piece so for you it's you said it happened too fast for me i think there's enough of a question of what happened in that incident that mm-hmm. um that picard could kind of see past that and offer her you know to stay on the enterprise yeah. and, and become a better officer so i i think that that's uh that's uh that's an interesting part of her character as well that you know kind of gets glossed over or underdeveloped person. One thing that I would have liked to see was how the opinions of the other characters may have changed of her because obviously we got her, you know, we saw the interactions between her and the rest of the crew, like basically the entire bridge staff. Um, and it was either it was either kind of awkward to straight out like mean, <laughs> like very confrontational. Um, and obviously we won't get really Picard's perspective out of all this. But I would have liked to see like how other opinions may have changed due to this experience. Yeah, that's a good point. I think one of the things though too is that you know both Beverly and Deanna tried to sit with her and right. Yeah, and I was like, so there is that. Like, so there's a, that little bit of like trying to reach out and mm-hmm. make a connection as and she's members. Like, no, you cannot yeah. sit with me. Yeah, um, can't so, sit with um, us, or in in this case, me. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think it's a. Do you get the character. reference? No. Can't sit with us. No, Mean Girls. Oh, um, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, I know. What oh you're my talking. god! Uh, you say that I get it, but you know, it's I don't have Mean Girls memorized in my head. Oh my gosh! It's, 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 there's only so many references to Mean Girls that there, you can't sit with us. Don't make fetch. Don't try to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. No, nothing. The fetch piece, I don't understand. Oh no. man. All right, it's over. It's fine. <laughs> I like want to revoke your gate card. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Come on, Mean Girls. That that movie is twenty years old as well. All right. You know what? We're talking about like a like a franchise that's like fifty years old. So whatever. Right. But, yeah. So there we go. There Speaking we are. Speaking of, that's a great segue into what 
into our sponsor, Fansets. Oh my God. Oh yes, Fansets. How's that for a segue, right? <laughs> I Look was at like, that. where is this going? That's so awesome. Wow. Speaking of anniversaries, oh, right? Okay. And years uh, apart. So Fansets is uh, a sponsor of Deep Space Pride and yes, they are. the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And they just launched yesterday the uh anniversary collection of uh, of pins and they are pretty cool i, I and, isn't it like and, many ships or something yeah it's many ships attached to like a number of uh whatever anniversary it is so it's the seven pin anniversary collection and it's seven pins if you order them all together you get the bonus pin which is a, a nice uh yellow, red, and blue background on, I looks like, um, like it looks more like the JJ enterprise than it is on the, the original enterprise, but, um, it's hard to kind of make out for sure. But, uh, to me, it looks more like that, but I could be wrong. Okay. So, yeah, so this seven anniversary pin collection came out yesterday mm -hmm. uh it's the 55th anniversary of star trek this year which yes. is we are going to the 50 55 year mission slash stlv stlv uh convention. that's our official oh. hashtag by the way what is stlv oh interesting yeah, i was like uh okay I don't know. But they I can no know. longer say that. They can't use that. They can so they can use SCLV. They just can't say Star Trek. Yeah, right. Exactly. So awkward. Um, but I also didn't, you know, I do know that it's the Enterprise, uh, Star Trek Enterprise's 20th anniversary, which I continue to enjoy my rewatch. I am now in season uh, two. Oh, yeah. Uh, look at you. Uh, enjoying that. So that's of interest to me because I really am loving this and I, and I think honestly like i'm thinking about the truck geeks and how they do the see it or skip it and i mm. think i've come across my first skip it even though i suffered through it uh which, which episode was this? Uh, a night in sick bay um oh you know i actually didn't hate that one i mean i don't it hate little, it I Archer just was think, a little annoying but yeah um, archer is very annoying in this one and, but and, i i thought it was and, all right yeah, so uh, so it's the 20th anniversary. So they have a pin for the 20 years of Star Trek Enterprise. They I did not realize it's only been five years since Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I did not realize. So these these are interesting to me. So it's 35 years since uh, Star Trek Four: A Voyage Home. It's okay. 30 years since uh, the Undiscovered the Country. country. And it's 25 yes. years since First Contact. I did not realize. So it, within a span of 10 years, you had Star Trek 4, 5, 6 generations, and then First Contact. So what is that? That's five films in, in 10 years. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I did not realize that. Uh, plus a show that you know st just went off the air right before uh, all of that. Um, so yeah, uh, they're really cool pins. I do really like the... Uh, yellow, red, and blue background splat backsplash that's sort of in the shape of oh no, it's behind the Delta, right? The Starfleet Delta, but um, and interestingly enough, they still use that Delta on Enterprise, which they didn't really have that Delta back then. But anyway, 
Uh, these are really awesome pins, and they're $59.95 for all seven of them. So you you buy six, you get the seventh for free. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you use the code, if you put that into your cart and use the code DSPRIDE, all caps, okay. and you'll get 10% off that. So that's saving six bucks on on that uh, that pin set. So definitely go and check free it shipping. Out. And free shipping in the U.S., right, because it's over $30. So Definitely go and check out Fansets, and we thank Fansets for being our sponsor of Deep Space Pride and the Truck Geeks Podcast Network. Thanks, Fansets. All right, I think that cool. does it, right? I mean, I think so. I, I thought that was a lot of talking, but yeah, I think that we covered a lot of bases, unless you had anything else you want to share. No, I think that's good. That's a good place to wrap it up. Well, you need to think about next week's prompt slash question so that we yes. can continue. I have a start series. for it, but I'm going to refine. The oh, question. wait, we forgot to talk about what we're going to discuss in our next episode. Oh, right. So we're moving on to season six. This is rapidly progressing, this series. Um, and we're going to watch Schisms. We're going to talk about Schisms. Yeah. It's kind of like a creepy episode. Which it I is, like. It is, yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess it kind of semi-stars Will Riker. At least he's one of the central um, protagonists that things are happening to. Yeah, we um, were talking, yeah. and we we haven't really focused much on Will Riker in in our podcast, so we're gonna spend some time talking about Will Riker. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, like he has stuff to do at least this episode. So, yeah, yeah, sounds good. So that's next time. And we will have, so we'll have that and we'll have another pride prompt. Yeah, and pride we'll prompt. see if we get any listener mail. Yeah. Let's hope we get some listener mail. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you all soon. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.